You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Communities are built when people gather around shared values or purpose. For us, we gather to celebrate what Jesus has done for us and to encourage each other in our faith. We believe church is a gift, but how can we make it even better? We're going back to the basics as we explore what it means to do life together. Our reading this morning begins in Scripture from Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 34. That'll be on the screens for you. I encourage you to open up your Bible. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, this is Jesus, of course, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is a well-known reading, of course, found in three of the four synoptic gospels. We know it uh, as as the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. All the law and commands of God depend on these two things. we're in this series called Life Together now, second of three weeks in this series. And the question that we are exploring together is how do we, uh, as a church, find unity uh, using this great commandment? Or in other words, how does the great commandment, this, this command to love God and one another, create a foundation for a thousand plus people at Schweitzer to all be moving in the same direction, to be working as the mind and the body and the spirit of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Uh, Spencer showed a video in his sermon last week with a bunch of metronomes all on one table, clicking at different rates at the beginning of the video. Um, And by the end of the video, through their shared vibrations, the metronomes were all clicking uh, in in perfect unity with one another. And it it gave this beautiful picture of what the churches of Jesus Christ should look like. Um, People... uh, of all different generations and of all different ethnicities, people with different interests um, and different goals and and different gifts and passions and all, how do we work together? And how does a great commandment serve as a foundation for that unity? Okay, so last week we looked at the first part of the great commandment, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This week we're gonna look at the second part, which is to love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Next week we'll look at loving yourself. But for this morning's conversation, I felt like as I was preparing this message, it it was a very uh, big umbrella, love your neighbor. 
I can go a thousand different directions with that message. I want to I want to focus us a little bit this morning. Um, and in order to do that, we're going to look at a command which falls beneath the umbrella of loving your neighbor, uh, but gives our conversation makes our conversation a little bit more narrow. Okay, and that command is found in John chapter thirteen. So if you would uh, turn with me to John chapter thirteen. Verse 34 through 35, and this is actually going to be our, our kind of main text we look at this morning. Jesus is uh, getting ready to go to the cross. He's just had the last supper with his disciples. He's just washed their feet, and he gives them, uh, he, he says this to them in private. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'm going to go back through that again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. First question I have for you this morning is, what is new about this commandment? We just read the great commandment, is to love. And Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you is to love one another. Well, um, The great commandment is a sort of universal responsibility that we have towards all people, right? Our neighbors, those in which God has put in our proximity and uh, has given us capacity to care for, all right? That's the kind of love that the great commandment, uh, the kind of net that it casts for us to do, right? But here Jesus says, I give you a new command. It's more specific. And who you love is to love one another. One another. He's speaking to his 12 disciples, those who he walked with. He's speaking to the church, the, brothers and, the sis- brothers and sisters in Christ. And it has to do with our unique responsibility that we have towards one another. To those people here in your church body and elsewhere, your brothers and sisters in Christ who God has put in your care. And what makes, uh, what makes this kind of love, this responsibility unique that you have towards one another is the standard of love. Here's what I mean. Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. So if we read these side by side, the great commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment says, love one another as Jesus has loved you. You see the difference? One is love your neighbor. One is love one another. The other is as yourself and the other is as I have loved you. So Jesus is giving us some specificity here. And what comes next is quite possibly one of the most compelling statements, my friends, in all of scripture. At least I find it incredibly compelling. Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. hear that? By this, the world will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you, that we are the body of Christ in no other way. If you have love for one another, as I have loved you. Notice, please, he never said, if we love God, the world will know that we're his disciples. Notice, he also doesn't say that if we love our neighbors, the world will know that we're his disciples. But he says, if you love one another, as I have loved you. 
This will be your testimony to the world of who you are in me and who I am. This is our witness, friends. How love happens in the church, how these relationships happen with your brothers and sisters in Christ is your and my and our witness to the world of who we are, who the church, the body of Jesus Christ is, and who Jesus is. There's hardly anything I can think of that is more important than this. Another way of thinking about this is that among all your relationships in life, uh, next to maybe the relationships uh, in your own household, like your family in your household, uh, you are most responsible. Your greatest responsibility is to your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Now, I want to clarify. When I, when I say your greatest responsibility is to the church, right, I don't mean to Schweitzer as an organization. I don't mean to the Methodist church, like the institution. I don't mean this, you know, I, I'm talking about the people. God's sons and daughters who, who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who God has put in your life or who, who he wants to put you in their life for you to grow and, and see through it, see to it that they grow in Christ and that you grow in Christ. That's, that's the kind of relationships that I'm talking about. So this message that I'm speaking here today, it's a little bit different than what we're used to hearing uh, in the American church, I think. It's not that we never talk about it. It's just that it's not emphasized. Um, and here's what I mean. For, for one, and I'm just going to say it, we have a problem with consumerism in the American church. Can I get an amen? Thank you. I don't know if you know this, we have a problem with consumerism in the American church. The primary question in looking for a church is, what does this church have to offer me? The primary reason that most Christians attend church on Sunday is to consume, it is to receive. Most Christians in America today do not act like members of a body or like players on the same team. They act like consumers of a product. What am I gonna get out of this? And what you can do at home on video, what you can also do by gathering here in church, you know that you have a consumer mindset, friends. If you ever come to church on Sunday and you don't get much or anything out of it, right? And you leave thinking, oh, that was kind of a waste of my time. That's a good evidence that you have a consumer mindset, friends. There's something I wanna tell you. It's that God has a different vision for the church. He has a different vision for you and your relationship with the church than I think many people, many Christians today uh, ever experience. And if there's nothing else that you remember from this sermon than what I'm about to say, um, that I'd be fine with that. I just want you to, if there's anything you take home today, here's what I want you to take home is this vision uh, that God has for the church. It's, it's sort of paradoxical. It's one of these realities in the kingdom that will totally change uh, everything you understand about what it means to be a Christian, what your responsibility is to the church. Here it is. When all come to consume, no one gets fed. When all come to give, everyone gets fed. I'll say it again. And I'll word it a little bit differently. When all come, when we gather together, when all come to receive, no one receives. 
That makes sense, right? Who is there to give? When all come to give, God uses the body so that all receive. It's this beautiful, wonderful um, idea, reality. It's a fact. The way that God has made his kingdom and designed the church is to where selflessness is actually the best thing for you. Isn't that incredible? The most selfish thing that you can do is to be selfless. This is how the church was meant to operate. And friends, um, if, if you've had a consumer mindset, I'm just, I'm begging you this morning to repent from that. Every single one of us in this room, including myself again and again and again, is guilty. And right now I'm only talking about worship, but this extends beyond, you know, beyond our time together on Sundays. But let's just keep this in mind. Let's just talk about worship right now. Every one of us here is guilty of, of coming on Sunday to think and to hope that I get something out of this, right? And that's kind of our primary focus. And one, something that I realized and that God spoke into my life a year or two ago that has really changed a lot is if I come on Sundays, anytime I gather with other Christians, if I, if I change my way of thinking and to think, how can I give? then no matter what happens, no matter what uh, the preacher says, whether it's an awesome sermon or super insightful or no, no matter how good the music is or the food or, or conversation or whatever, what I know is that if I came and if I, if I give all that I have to give on Sunday, then I leave no matter what saying, that was awesome. Everything that was supposed to happen with me on, on Sunday happened. And I'm just, I'm longing for the day that we all as a body come with this sort of, Mindset and mentality. This just came to mind as we were worshiping um, before. I th uh, Jesus, he says a couple times in the Gospels, he's talking uh, to the religious leaders. He says to them, uh, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he tells them to go and figure out what this means. And it's just sort of, I've always wondered what this means. And, and one of the things he's saying is like, I, when we come together, no longer is this just like us, like sacrifice. Like it's not just about us and God and figuring this out. Your way of praising and giving thanks to God comes by showing mercy to your brothers and your sisters. It, it comes by you giving what you have to give to minister to those to your left and your right. That's where the meaning comes from. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's God's vision. That's what I want for you so badly is that every time we gather, on Sunday mornings or at any time throughout the week, whether it's, uh, whether it's in worship or in a small group or inside the church or outside of the church, or every time we gather, that we're, we're trying to outdo one another in how much we're giving to each other. And in that way, in that way, the world will look at the church and know that it's the body of Jesus Christ. And there has to be a shift in the way that we think about our relationship with the church. And my prayer um, this morning is that that shift begins. I think it's already begun in many of your lives, and many of you already get this, but I know there are also many of you who, who don't yet, and, uh, and it makes all the difference in the world. Okay, secondly, um, when we do talk about our responsibility towards the church, I think often it, uh, it gets expressed in very clear service roles. Here's what I mean. Um, you often get asked to serve at various times throughout the year. Uh, be an usher, be a greeter, 
uh, be in the praise band or the choir or small group leader or a mentor or a, I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? There are these very clearly defined roles that, uh, and, and all these things are good. They're great. They're great ways of serving the body. We need you, we need you for these things. But to reduce your responsibility to the church, to something that you can literally check off in a box, or to something that can literally fit within one hour of the week is a blatant misunderstanding of what Jesus meant when he said that we are to love one another as he loved those 12 disciples. You hear me? It is also, it, it, it hugely underestimates what you have to give to the church as a human being capable of love and filled with the Holy Spirit. You hear me? It's a huge underutilization of who you are and what you have to give to the body of Christ. What we have to offer to one another, and hence our responsibility to one another is so much deeper, so much richer and more life-giving and meaningful than anything that can be clearly defined in a bulletin or on a website. And I wanna clarify this even just a little bit more. Think for a moment with me about how Christ loved those 12 disciples when he's in that room with those 12. And he says to them, your job now is to love one another as I have loved you. Put yourself in their shoes and think, how did Jesus love those 12? He chose them. He welcomed them into his life. He went into their life. He walked with them every day. He dined with them in their homes. He got to know their families. He healed their family members. He constantly forgave them. He taught them. He showed them uh, the secrets of the kingdom. At times, he loved them enough to rebuke them and discipline them. He cared for them and supported them and gave them new names. He washed their feet, even died for them, died for them on a cross. All to say that that even the son of man, that even the God who put on flesh to come down to the earth, he came to serve not to be served. One of my favorite scriptures all of, is Philippians 2, where it says that Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But taking on the form of a servant, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So God, he emptied himself. He gave himself to many, but especially to these 12 disciples in everyday life. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about here. It's wonderful to serve in the church in all these various capacities and the, you know, the, the things that we can clearly define and talk about. But what I'm talking about is so much deeper. It's relationship. And I got to ask, friends, who are you loving in this way? Whose soul are you nurturing? You know what I mean? Who have you taken into your life that you are committed to making sure that they grow into the person that God has designed them to be? You may not feel like a great theologian and teacher. 
You may not think you have much to offer in the way of wisdom and direction. Um, maybe you're inexperienced in the faith and maybe you're right. And the first thing I would say to you is, uh, is don't just accept that as a fact. Grow in those areas. As the Apostle Paul said, he says, desire the higher spiritual gifts, right? Don't settle with, with not knowing anything or not being able to offer anything to anyone, right? Grow so that you may be of greater use to God. But even more, I would say this, that every one of you, no matter how uh, new you are to the Christian life, every one of you is capable of relationship, of friendship, of being present, of listening and kindness um, and encouragement and sacrifice um, and prayer. Every single one of you is capable of these kinds of things. Let's just imagine a body where every time that we gather together, every time that we gather together, again, on Sundays or at any other time throughout the week, inside the church, outside, just that when we are in each other's presence, every need gets met, you know? Everybody is selflessly giving and yet somehow miraculously receiving all that they need and more. That is what the body of Christ is meant to be, and it is impossible without you. Doesn't that bring such great and wonderful meaning to the Christian life? Such purpose? I, uh, I told you last week in the announcement, I was talking about group night and how in my own life, I, uh, I realized I couldn't grow in the faith. Um, like I was a Christian for five or six years until I got connected to Christian community. I mean, and it wasn't like I was trying not to grow. I just, there's, apart from community, um, the body of Christ, we can't really be connected to the head of Christ either. You know what I'm like? Who, and so once I got plugged into a group of people who were pouring into me, I just, my faith just took off. Um, and so I talk often about the small groups as being a place that we need in order to grow. We need this kind of Christian community. We need one another. Um, but here's what, I wanna look at it from a different dimension this morning is that uh, soon after, like seven or eight months after that first small group of mine, I realized I've gotta do this. <laughs> I gotta lead one of these. I gotta start pouring into others like other people have poured into me because I know how much everybody needs this. And so I just started a group in my fraternity. I had no idea what I was doing. I had a degree in logistics, guys. Like I'm not, you know, like I didn't go to Bible school. I wasn't raised in the church, nothing. Like I didn't know Jack other than what had kind of been given to me. And, I, and uh, you can do it is all I'm saying. You can do it. It's just, it's, it's just being around people and caring enough to develop them in the Christian life. That's it. To the best, in the best way that you know how. And what's amazing about this is that um, I realized, okay, this isn't that hard. I mean, like, at least conceptually, it's like, all right, I just get some people together and we just grow and we pray together and learn together and talk. And, what, and what's amazing is that I realized really early on how terrible I am about loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, it just became overwhelmingly clear to me that I need to grow in this area. And as much as I thought, like, I'm a, I'm a generally, uh, I'm a very agreeable kind of person. You know, I, I like almost all people. I, I enjoy people. I, I don't hold grudges usually. I, I'm pretty, you know, generally it's just like I, I'm a, 
what the world would say, a pretty loving human being, I think, you know, maybe lacking some compassion and insensitivity, that sort of thing. But um, <laughs> anyway, you get my point. But I just realized uh, that's not what Christ is talking about here. The love that we are called to to one another is so much different. It's so much deeper. And it's, it's hard, but the only way to grow in that love is by being in those kinds of relationships. There's no other way. There's no other way to learn to love each other like Christ loved these 12. If we don't have like that 12, you know, or, or that three or five or whatever. And, you know, we could talk about um, the church on a big scale, loving each other and, you know, and, and denominations and splits and all that kind of like that. It's, and it's like, you know what, and, until this happens on a small scale, in groups of three or five or 12 or whatever. It's never gonna happen on the big scale. So what are you gonna do about this? Spencer talked about group night. Um, starts this Wednesday. Maybe that's something you need in order to grow, but maybe that's something that you need to do for the sake of, of others who God wants to place in your care. If so, go online and, and sign up on the front webpage. I invite you to do that this morning. Um, I want to leave you with a couple thoughts from 1 John chapter 4, and then I'll be done. Um, 1 John chapter 4. Go read the whole thing when you get home. One thing he says is, anyone who says they love God but hates their brother or sister is a, anyone? Liar. Anyone who says they love God but hates their brother and sister is a liar. Then he says something even more important. He says that we love because he first loved us. This is what it all comes down to this morning. Is it doesn't matter how hard you try or how well I preach or, how, you know, um, is that, only God's love can perfect us in love. And God doesn't expect you, and you are not capable of giving anything that you have not already received. And so I wanna, I wanna pray over you this morning um, that wherever you are at in the Christian life, that you would uh, receive and know the lengths and the breadths and the heights and the depths of God's love, that it would flood into your heart and spill over <laughs> into your brothers and sisters around you to make this the church that it was meant to be. Would you please pray with me? Um, and if you, uh, one thing just comes to mind is if everyone would close their eyes, um, I'm gonna pray generally, but then I'm gonna ask some of you to uh, maybe raise your hands at a point. Um, this is why I ask for eyes to be closed so there's no embarrassment or anything. And if, if you just raise your hands um, whenever I ask these questions, if it applies to you, then uh, I can pray over you specifically. Father, we confess that we have not loved you or one another with our whole hearts. We confess that we have taken that command far too lightly and maybe taken other commands far too seriously 
Um, Would you please give us what we need? Would you please lead us in the way of love? I'm gonna ask those of you uh, who feel like you especially need an outpouring of Christ's love this morning, I pray that you would just raise your hands and everyone's eyes are closed so that no one's looking around. Just pray that you'd raise your hand and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna pray right over you. Father, you see those hands raised and as they reach out and touch towards heaven, Jesus, your hand is reaching right back down and touching theirs. I pray that they would feel your touch. I pray that they would know you intimately here in this moment. I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour out through your fingertips into theirs and take over their whole body and being, that you would be imminent and immediate and right here, real and present in their lives, exploding (laughs) through their being. Let your healing light and your love emanate from their skin and from their eyes. Touch their heart with the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse them with the blood of Jesus Christ. That they might be for you the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this wonderful gift of grace. It's in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.